Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sean Seal, and this is the Holistic Nutrition Hub podcast, the show where we discuss all the important topics that will help you succeed in the nutrition industry. On this episode, I interviewed Krista Gonzalez about how to write website copy and how to blog like a pro. Krista Gonzalez is a former holistic nutritionist turned copywriter and brand clarity coach for health and wellness practitioners. In this interview, Krista and I discuss the main differences between copywriting and blogging. We talk about why you need a blog for your business, even if you practice mostly in person, how often you should post on your nutrition business blog, how to overcome the fear of writing for your website and your blog, and much more. If you're still confused about the differences between copywriting and content writing, this interview is going to be a great resource to get started with. You'll learn how you can write your first blog and get started on your website copy, even if you're new to writing. In addition to this, I highly recommend that you check out Krista's blog for more great resources to help you with your copywriting and content writing efforts. Enough talking for me, let's get to the interview. Hey Krista, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk about today's topics. But before we dive into it, can you, uh, for our listeners, can you give us a little bit of a background and then what you're all about? Yeah, you bet. Uh, my name's Krista Gonzalez, and I'm a certified holistic nutritionist, but I'm not actually a practicing nutritionist at the moment. Never say never. I could always go back to my passion for nutrition and uh, holistic natural health, but I am really fired up, really passionate about copywriting and brand clarity coaching for other health and wellness experts and practitioners and entrepreneurs. So that's what I've been doing for the past year when I finally decided to close my nutrition consulting practice. Hmm. And so how did the shift happen between, you know, you were, uh, you were a nutritionist, I believe you're also a personal trainer. How did that shift happen between, between this and then uh, moving to the copywriting set of things? Well, I think the shift happened for me is when I brought my nutrition consulting business from a physical practice when I was the uh, sort of on-site, uh, you know, on-team uh, con- uh, consultant for a uh, women's fitness facility and brought that online. Now, that in of itself was a, a big jump for me. And it, I, I struggled. I'll, I'll admit that openly, honestly, I really struggled with taking something from a physical practice to the online space, uh, because I really didn't know much about it. It was a huge learning curve for me. I did learn. I spent the time, I did my due diligence, and I navigated those waters. And I uh, you know, had the practice online for uh, probably about a year. And what I was seeing was other practitioners, whether they were nutritionists, dietitians, fitness trainers, even uh, chiropractors, naturopaths, all experiencing the same struggles, the same roadblocks that I myself uh, experienced. And because I was ahead of that learning curve, I just I felt the need I was compelled to jump in. And it, it's always been my thing to, to offer up and, and be, you know, in a in a teacher's position. It's it's really enjoyable for me to share my passions with other people. Um, and, you know, be a be an educator in in some form or another. 
And so I, I felt a shift. I had already been uh, blogging on a blog called Making Lemonade, and that was when I was still a nutritional uh, consultant. And so I really enjoyed the writing part of it, and I was really getting into the business side of it. So marrying those two um, talents, let's say, I, I again, I felt compelled to help other practitioners uh, basically not do, <laughs> way, not, not make the same mistakes that I had made. So I wanted to help people fast track their way from perhaps just getting out of their nutrition course or program uh, as a new practitioner um, and try to navigate it uh, easily and with much less pain than I felt when I made my transition from the offline space to the online space. So that's where it all seemed to happen. So it's interesting that you said that it was two different skills, the writing the blog and then the business side of things, which also entails writing copy for, let's say, websites or sales pages. Uh, so maybe for people who don't know the difference between the two, because I think there's still a lot of misconceptions around writing. It's all words mm. on, I was going to say paper, but on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Did, yeah, digital paper. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's still words on the screen. But then what's the difference between copywriting and then, let's say, content writing or blogging? Mm -hmm. um, well, I know they do sound similar, but there's actually a number of major differences between those two. Um, the one that sticks out the most in my mind is the purpose of the words that you're writing. So essentially, it's about the effect you want to have your words to, or sorry, you want your words to have on your readers and on your target audience. So uh, while it's true that content writers and copywriters both write content or they, they write words, only one writes it for the sole purpose of selling or at least for conversions. And that is getting your prospective client, your ideal client or buyer to move to the next level, uh, whether that be from downloading your free resource to a paid resource or from your free discovery call to your paid program or service. So uh, content writing can be, or blog writing, um, can be generalized as creating a wide variety of content using written words. So these would be things like your long form articles, blog posts, and often that's going to include keywords or other elements of SEO, which I know that's search engine optimization. This is one of your fortes, Sean, and I'm sure we're going to touch on that a little later. Mm -hmm. um, content writers also tend to focus on what is called evergreen content. Uh, that's words that, I don't know, they prevail and they don't have a best before date on them. So these are pieces that will be relevant long after they're written, and they may only require a, a minimal amount of updating, if any, in order to still be considered current. Uh, copywriting, on the other hand, is for the purpose of selling. So copywriters have been dubbed a used car salesman in print. But, you know, and so it's digitally as well, because we're, we're coming away from the print age to the digital age where we're uh, seeing a lot more online businesses. Now, that's a, a pretty old school way to look at a copywriter, but I still think it makes for a funny job title. Um, but essentially, they're used as uh, advertising vehicles, let's say. So typically using shorter form copy and 
copy is just words. It's just another word for words. And they would have a more prominent focus on like attention grabbing headlines and taglines. Um, copywriters also have a knack for using storytelling and even humor, which is what I love about copywriting. I, I love to infuse humor into everything uh, to persuade a reader to think a certain way about something. So that being a product or service and effectively like, you know, bringing about or evoking a certain emotion in their audience that they're writing for. Um, but now those being the differences, the, the similarity in them, as we said, it's, it's all about the written word, uh, but it's that they really are quite integral to each other. And that's, you know, content writing, blog writing included and copywriting. It's, it's kind of like thinking of them as uh, teammates. So uh, I consider myself both a content writer and a copywriter, because I really do find that these two crafts overlap so much in my work. Um, and it's just easier to say copywriter as part of my title. Uh, it's just a, a more well known term at this point. So that's the difference. And those are also the similarities, I suppose. Yeah. And I know that you're, you know, having read a, a fair bit of, of what you've written, I can definitely tell you that the storytelling part and infusing some of the, the humor, you do that both in your copywriting and in your content <laughs> writing really well. So that's definitely something that can cross over from, from one to the other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so for, uh, for today's discussion, I'd like to kind of split that up right in the middle uh, between the copywriting and the content writing because they, they have a different purpose. Uh, so for simplicity's sake, we'll tackle the blogging or content writing first, and then we'll go on to talk about copywriting uh, for websites. And Sounds good. so let's start with the blogging. Uh, why should someone have a blog? Let's start with that. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm of the camp that you most definitely need a blog uh, where your business is concerned. So if we're talking about a health and nutrition business, uh, even if you have an offline practice, if it's 100% offline, you still need to have an online presence. And the best way to do that is by having a website. But you want to have a website that provides unique and uh, even more specifically relevant content that gives your website visitors a reason to visit your site first. And the best way to do that is to have a blog and to do it regularly and consistently. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to say uh, something very similar because the word consistent is so much in my vocabulary. Uh, I, I have to remind myself of it when I'm doing my own blogging. Um, now, some other reasons for having a blog that would be specific to your business is for authority building and uh, what's known as the know, like, and trust factor. And I know your listeners out there, I know you've heard that so many times, but it's not to be discounted, this know, like, and trust factor. Also, uh, having a blog for your business is for engagement and relationship building. It's also for this SEO, the search engine optimization and traffic driving to your website. 
It is for brand building and awareness. Now your brand, I'll just touch on that really quickly. It's something that I could go on and on about, but that's not the, <laughs> that's not the topic that we're talking about today. Um, your, your brand, uh, as we talk about a, a health and wellness practitioner who either has a, you know, partially online or fully online business, this is, this is you. This is the, the colors, the vibe, the style, the feeling, the emotion that you're, it's your logo. It's the, it's the look of your website. It's all of those things are in brand building and you can help to do that and build up your brand through your blog. So it's, uh, it's really quite important for that aspect. And also for the um, purpose of multi-purpose content. So uh, a blog post, a, a lot of people mistake a blog post as just this one-off piece of content. But think about it, it, it should and can be repurposed so many times over. If you would kind of just dig deep and think, think outside of the box, you could take snippets of your blog post to act as promotional copy in your social media posts. Uh, you could expand them out or stack several different blog posts together and create an ebook, an e-guide, uh, a really high value lead magnet for your, for your target audience, your ideal client. Um, so many different ways that you could uh, use this for multi-purpose. So yeah, I, I think it's really rather critical to have a blog for your business. So you listed a whole bunch of reasons why somebody should have a blog. Uh, they're all yeah. extremely you know, valid and valuable. For somebody who's new, who's never done this before, what should they start with? Where should be the starting point of their blog? What's the first post that they should put up on there? Hmm. Um, if you're just getting started, um, or if you have yet to even get started, um, my top piece of advice before you do anything else is actually make sure you've identified really specifically who your audience is and what it is they need and they want from you. Um, <laughs> please don't do what I did when I first started blogging. As I mentioned, my, my blog name was Making Lemonade. It has now become my company name. But at one point, a few years back, I decided it was just a really cute name of a blog. Um, and to be quite honest, I, I didn't even know what a blog was. <laughs> I, I just thought it was um, sharing things online that you, uh, you enjoy reading about, writing about, um, talking about. So I, I was literally... Uh, randomly writing about whatever health or wellness topic came into my brain. Um, sure, each of my topics had something to do with health and nutrition, because I was a practicing holistic nutritionist at the time. But from one to the next, we're just completely random. And that has got to be the number one reason why no one was reading my blog. <laughs> um, it was only when I identified my target audience as hormonally challenged women who were 35 to 50 years of age and were struggling with the challenges of raising their school-aged children while trying to balance their hormones. That was my target audience right down to the T. It was only then that I got my targeted content to my targeted audience. I started giving them exactly what they were asking for, what they needed from me, 
and my content started to get noticed. I actually started getting people reading my blog, people coming to my website, and people noticing, you know, what I was doing. So it it was it was that that shift right there was absolutely imperative. So once once you've identified that your target audience with um, knowing exactly what your audience needs from you, then begin creating content with your target audience's pain points in mind and start creating lots of it. You know, there are like literally thousands of different blogging resources out there to, to follow on, you know, all these guides that you can download, but that's number one and number two in my books. And, and personally, I experienced it for myself. Uh, That's, that was, um, that's what I wish I had have done in the first place, but live and learn. And that's what I am hoping to share with you guys today is basically what not to do. <laughs> I can absolutely relate to that. I did the exact same mistake when I started my uh, personal training business. I just thought, you know what? I'll just write for everybody. I'll be fine. Everybody was telling me, you know, in everything that I was reading online, find a niche, find your buyer persona, make sure you know who you're talking to, how old are they? What do they like to do on their free time? And I just dismissed it and I just went for it. And it's only when I came back to it later on and really narrowed down on my niche that things started really happening because now I knew exactly who I was talking to. I knew what they needed. And when somebody found me, most importantly, I was speaking their language. And that was the determining factor between them going to see another gym down the road or me Mm -hmm. because I was actually providing what they were looking for. Uh, exactly i mean there's enough you know uh, there's enough places in town for everybody to be happy with all their you know fitness and nutrition needs uh, so you don't need to try and serve everybody i think that's it can't be stated enough it's it's such an important point for everybody out there listening if you don't have a niche yet but you have a business uh, it's going to do tremendous good for you and your business to actually take some time to make sure you know who you're talking to yeah, and that you hit the nail right on the head with speaking their language. And it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come instantly to you. You don't know right off the bat how to speak your ideal or your dream client's language. It takes a little getting used to, and and you've got to research it. You've got to learn it yourself. So uh, that comes through in the way you're uh, you know, verbally interacting with them and also, of course, through your writing. So. And so for now that you you know your niche, you know what those people are interested in learning about, how do you go about formulating your first few blogs? Do you have any kind of format that you recommend to start or maybe a few different options, whether it's, you know, lists or uh, or anything like this that you like to start with? You know, um, I, I actually don't because I think um, the very first blog that I started with and, you know, when I am doing... Uh, blog posts as a, you know, when I'm writing for a client, the, if it's the very first number one blog, or the first few that they're just easing into, I always really encourage them to help me pull out their backstory. That's what I did on my own blog, just to get it kickstarted. Who knows your story better than you do. So uh, I, I think that's what's key for any blog to really get started. You know your backstory. It It is interesting whether you think it is or not. Uh, what got you going? What fires you up? What your own um, tr- 
transformation was, let's say, that's going to be interesting and it's and inspiring and, and motivating to other people. So crafting and refining your own backstory is a really great place to start and can have so many different offshoots for different uh, blog topics. So if, if you don't already have something in mind, uh, getting your, your backstory out there and how that relates to your target audience in, in the sense of when, I myself um, got to know my target audience, and this is these hormonally challenged women, 35 to 50. I was them. So, I, you know, I once I got into that niche, it was almost like a sigh of relief, like, oh my gosh, I'm basically just writing to myself and all the things I, I would have wanted to know and what I needed, uh, you know, back when I was going through my own health journey. So, uh, that, that was my start. That's what I suggest for clients when I'm helping them to, to draw out their own backstories. Mm, I think that's, that's great advice. So first blog, start with your own story, where you came from, what you went through. And that might even, like you said, uh, give you some ideas on what points you can elaborate on that would be relevant for your niche. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you touched on the topic of consistency before when it comes to blogging and posting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's quite a bit of controversy these days in terms of, you know, do you need to post every week? Uh, is there value in doing this? What's your take on that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I get asked this one all the time, and I'm sure you do too, Sean. Yeah. There's Honestly, for me, there is no magic number. I know many magic numbers are, are, are printed out there and are suggested out there. Uh, but for how much or how often you should publish, in all truth, this is it comes down to quality over quantity. So when I first started blogging, I aimed for once or even twice per week. Heck, it was even suggested to do once or twice per day. I thought that was absolutely absurd. I couldn't possibly keep up with it. And with the randomness that I was <laughs> coming up with and publishing topics, it you know, publishing that many times a day, that just kind of made it all seem more random and unfocused. Um, Now I publish posts only twice per month. I'm very consistent with the first and the 15th of the month. So I have that pre-planned at least a month in advance. That really works for me. Uh, That helps to keep me organized and on task. And um, that's what keeps my website current. It keeps me on the search engines radar and what I'm comfortable really with at this time because um, it just it doesn't stress me out having to keep up with that particular schedule. Um, now, perhaps because I am a professional writer and I'm writing continuously like around the clock for other people, I do find it a, a little bit more difficult to publish any more than that for my own blog. Um, So for listeners out there, and what I suggest is you just choose a publishing schedule that makes sense to you, and that you can keep up with consistently. That's really what it comes out to. Um, Your readers are going to come to expect a standard, a standard of content and a schedule of content from you. So again, just be consistent with whatever it is you decide, and quality over quantity. Yeah, I think there's definitely an argument to be made for 
a consistent schedule, uh, you know, even if it's once a week, especially in the early days in the sense that if you're not familiar with the skill of writing itself, because it is really a skill, mm -hmm, it takes time mm -hmm. to learn and refine. Uh, the argument could be made that it's, you can, you know, post every week, put something out there, even if it's not perfect, and just practice essentially, uh, because you, you need that time, you know, on the keyboard uh, and in your head to just formulate your thoughts. I know it took me about six months to really find my stride when it came to writing fitness blogs. And until that point, I wasn't happy with what I was putting out there, but somebody like, like you said before, somebody told me to do it. So I was just doing it. <laughs> but, but it really, It's always somebody told me to do it. <laughs> exactly. But, but once I found uh, really my, my groove and my, my voice, let's say, uh, then I, I, like, like you're doing now, I just toned it down a little bit. And I think I was even down to mm -hmm. once a month maybe, but I was putting out stuff that I was really proud of. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so I think that's good advice. Uh, start what, what, for, with what works for you. Don't feel any pressure and, you know, doing too much, but definitely see it as a, as a good way to practice, uh, when you get started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's a really good point is, uh, you know, practice does, I, I don't want to say practice makes perfect, because I, I'm going to bring up something about <laughs> not being so perfect all the time. Um, but just to get the practice, really, and and get in the habit, the, the writer's habit, for sure, when it's not, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. So yeah. Great. So to sum up that part on the blog and content writing. So start with your backstory, uh, something that's you're just going to lay it out there. And, and that's going to be something you can refine over time. And then you can revisit from time to time, maybe find points to elaborate on when you're, you know, at a loss for what to write about, and then go on with topics that are relevant to your niche, make sure it's focused and it's dedicated to your audience, that it's relevant, that it's going to provide them value, uh, and then find a, a posting schedule that that really fits you and, and, and your business, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, fantastic. So moving on from the blog, let's, let's talk about copywriting and writing a copy for your website. Uh, what's the goal of copywriting? Maybe just touch on that. We touched on that earlier, uh, but maybe reiterate just a little bit on what the goal is of copywriting. Copywriting is to sell something. So <laughs> it's and when it comes down to the health and wellness practitioner, and when they are either, um, you know, bringing their offline business into the online space, partly or fully, that is essentially selling you. I know people, first of all, think, that it's selling a service, selling a product, selling a program. But first and foremost, this is what copywriting means to me in in relation to to what we might need it for. Um, and that is going to be highlighting all of the reasons why uh, a prospect, an ideal client, a, a person, a health seeker, needs to come and see you. So uh, as opposed to, or not as opposed to, and differentiation from that copyright or the uh, content writing, um, it is really that selling piece, that directive piece. So that is copywriting. So let's go straight into it. What's the first thing that someone should read on a practitioner's website? What's the first message that should come through? from the copywriting side? 
Um, so this is, this is my, my take on it. Um, and it would be the about me page, but I'm, I'm going to call it something different in a second, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the reason for this about the about me page or about us page, um, is your reader is actually looking for, Yes, like what you're all about and and why you do what you do. But what they're also looking for is how you're going to help them. What do they get out of this whole transaction of, you know, following you and, um, you know, becoming part of your community or or just transacting with you in some way. So um, the key to writing a compelling all about me page is to actually make it about them. I, that just sounds beyond strange to me. It's, it's a strange concept. So that's actually why when I'm hired to write this particular page of copy for words that I encourage them to call it the start here page. It, it's just, it's something that makes sense to me. Um, a menu tab or a page with that heading on it, start here I mean, that's just so compelling to click on. Um, it's kind of like having a CTA or a call to action right in your web menu, right in your website menu. Um, so that's what I think the very first thing that a person should and very likely will read. In fact, I, I'm certain it's, it's the number one most read page on your website. Okay, so that's interesting. So the about me page is about you page, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it's about them. <laughs> it's the about them page. <laughs> and so what's the goal of this about me slash you page? What should the, the reader, what should a prospect find on this page? And where should this page lead them to next? Okay, so... Um... It should have it. I'm not saying it shouldn't have anything about you. That's clearly misleading, especially if you're going to continue to call it about me. Um, it, it would, of course, have your picture or your your headshot, um, something that's recent and like jives with the branding, the feel, the vibe of your website, and it should um, be consistent either in its look or be the exact same picture or headshot that you're using in your social accounts. Again, this is with consistency. People expect something. And if they get flip floppy, you've got one color and one logo and one, um, you know, font over here, and you use a totally different picture on your Facebook than you do on your website than you do on your Instagram account, they're going to be a little confused. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just a, a point about consistency there. You're also going to be addressing their pain points. I mentioned that the pain points of your ideal target audience. So this is what are they struggling with? They want to know for certain that you get them. You understand what is happening with them and what they need from you. Um, This page is also going to cover how your business, you, can help them. And so how are you going to help them? How are you going to provide the solution to their problem? Uh, So that's, that's actually the first thing they should be reading about. So then you're going to have a brief bio, but this is not the, the time or the place to have your complete life story, you know, starting from I was born in a small town in, you know, (laughs) in rural Canada. Um, So 
but I do want you to do your your full backstory, your full uh, this is, ex- you know, cause somebody is going to be interested in that and that's for another page or another blog post, but that's not the place for this particular story. So just give a briefer bio and yes, some of your beginnings and, and your why, your why of doing what you're doing. You do want to include some of your, cred- uh, your credentials here, but it, it shouldn't look like a resume. That is the number one mistake that I think practitioners make is, There are some people who have done more coursework than I could ever dream of doing in an entire lifetime. They are, they've got so many letters behind their name and that's wonderful. But your ideal client, I'm sorry, they don't really care. They just want to know what they're going to get out of this transaction with you. Um, that and that's the truth, um, and that's a, a bit of a smack in the face. I realize for some who may have just finished their about me page and it's all got all their beautiful credentials on it, and it it reads like a gorgeous resume, um, but they're not. You know, this isn't some big <laughs> company that's that's hiring you based on how many um, how many degrees you've done. Um, yeah. Now the other. Uh, two key pieces that should be on this uh, about me, but what I really like to call the start here page is some social proof. And I think this is a a little confusing. Um, And and it's, it's really quite simple. It's just really nice things that people have said about you. Uh, It's, it's a, a great result that somebody got from your service, from your program, from working with you. It's a testimonial essentially. So this is where offering a piece of social proof would be really um, beneficial on this page. And then the last piece that uh, the typical about me page would never have on it, but that I'm going to strongly recommend that you have is a call to action, a CTA. This is, this is what you want them to do from this page onward, because if this is your, you know, start here page, uh, you, you literally directed them to this page. Now you need to direct them to the next level. And the next level is very likely that you want them to opt in. You want them to subscribe. So you're going to give them a, what we call a lead magnet or an opt-in resource, a freebie essentially, so that you're able to then get them on to your email list and you are able to continue engaging with them, nurturing them, Um, from that point on. So those I would say are the key pieces to, to this uh, most read page on your website. It's, it's a really um, fantastic opportunity that I think gets missed too often. So you're essentially funneling your traffic strategically on your website using that structure so that they land maybe on your homepage, they see the start here, they click there, they read what you know what you're about, but really what what they're looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. They find the pain points that they experience. They can relate to what you're writing. Uh, hopefully, they're nodding in agreement to everything that you wrote. Right? <laughs> it should make full sense to them. And and then you direct them to opting into your list. That that's that's genius, really, because at the end of the day, if somebody visits your website and then just leaves, you don't get anything out of it. Absolutely. So if you can capture them in that one place that you know the average website visitor is likely to go, again, it's just a missed opportunity if you don't um, continue with directing them, instructing them essentially. 
it's funny. People kind of like to be told what to do. They appreciate it. They appreciate the direction. Mm-hmm. It's it does seem like, and 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 you have that power to do so when you're building mm-hmm. the website and writing your copy. You can decide where they go next, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. So now they've opted in, and that's so the, the let's say the start here page uh, did its job in terms of you know converting <laughs> converting that that reader to a subscriber on your list. Now you have their attention elsewhere. Uh, you, you, you know how to contact them and you can, you know, start writing to them. Uh, that's definitely a discussion for another day when it comes to email marketing. <laughs> that's a, a whole other box to open. Uh, and so that was really insightful on the start here page. How should the other pages of your website look? Let's talk about maybe the homepage, uh, the service page. What should people find there? You know, um, just kind of in in going back to the about me or the start here page uh, being predominantly about them, I I also like to use kind of a, a little ratio or rule throughout the rest of the website with respect to how much of it is about you or how much of it is about them. So I kind of go with like a two thirds them, one third me ratio. And that should kind of permeate and and be infused throughout all of your pages, in fact. So I, I realize that you're saying, well, it's my services. I want to talk about me, me. Even still on your services page, there should still be um, you know, this is a good opportunity to put some social proof in there. And it's, it is about another person, you know, um, somebody else that experienced, even though they are attributing their results back to you or your work or your services, um, it, it is still in a way about them because you're highlighting them and the fantastic results or, you know, transformation that they got. Um, so yeah, I, I like to make sure I just kind of adhere to that general two thirds them, one third me ratio. Um, but in terms of a homepage, services page, it it really is so individual. It's so individual to the person, but also to what, what type of practitioner, what type of business that they're running. I I find when I'm hired as a copywriter. Um, I honestly don't even have a template to go by. I start with having a really deep, open conversation with the client as to who their target audience is. I get a real sense of, you know, even if I had no previous experience with this type of target audience or, you know, uh, a set of pain points or this particular niche, or I know virtually nothing about this particular client, I go so deep into their backstory so that I can get a real sense of um, writing in their voice and trying to pull out their true authentic self. Now, they've hired me to write their words for them, but that's what I help to encourage and essentially empower them with because I don't want a a singular client. And while it's fantastic to have very long-term clients, I love all of them and and the relationships that I've built with them. Um, But I don't want them to feel dependent and that they can't write because I honestly believe everyone has the ability to write you may not like writing, but you have the ability to write. 
So through that, and the number one thing I say is just be as genuine and your true self. And I know we're throwing around what feels like a buzzword, uh, authenticity these days, but it's not just a buzzword. Um, As long as you can allow your true self to come through in your writing and that is infused in your words. Uh, that's all, that's what I would be looking for in in the pages of your copy. So to say that I I have a specific template to offer for what a homepage should look like, what a services page should look like, uh, you know, maybe a few tips and tricks depending on if I knew what type of practitioner they were and what type of business they were running online, offline. So many different circumstances to consider. Uh, but that's the number one thing is is honestly just be yourself. So it's funny that, and I'm I'm sure you would agree now that you know me better, Sean. Is that I I write like I speak. Yes. You do. <laughs> <laughs> and is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I you know I think ultimately um, that's a great thing. It it has really worked for me. And I do encourage people to do that for themselves. Because if, if other people, uh, you know, what who you're targeting, if they do not resonate, if they are vibing with your words, they are just not your people. Right? So yes, for example, you'll get a, a practitioner, um, somebody who's out there blog and putting all kinds of content out there, perhaps they're doing a lot of live streaming. So you're, you're seeing uh, a lot of visual content for them as well, in addition to their written content. And they are just dropping F bombs and like, lots of potty talk. <laughs> but It really works for them. And they have a huge audience and people just resonate with their real talk and their, you know, off the cuff or whatever kind of style they're putting out there, as long as it's your real self, you're, you're going to have no problem uh, finding your, your real following. So that's, that's all I can probably say about uh, what, what you should find in the pages of your web copy. And it, it goes together with the point that you made earlier on consistency of your brand as well. Mm-hmm. If you, you sound a certain way when you're maybe talking, whether it's on a podcast or in a video or even just doing a live stream in your, your Facebook group, let's say, or on Instagram and your stories, uh, and then somebody reads your copy on your website and it doesn't sound anything like you, Thanks. yet yeah. it's your business <laughs> and the business is you as a nutrition practitioner. Uh, there's no, like you said, there's no consistency there. So that might be another good reason for just letting your your true self shine through in your writing. Uh, for those who are maybe afraid to start writing their own copy that you know don't have the chance uh, and the luxury to work with someone like you, uh, mm-hmm. what can they do to overcome that fear? Yeah, um, it. It might sound kind of funny to, to some of you that there could actually be like real fear, like actual phobias around writing. And I was probably one of those people who thought it was odd at some point because I've personally always enjoyed writing and I've never been squeamish, let's say, about putting it out there for all the various purposes over the years in my various businesses. Um, but now that I do write content for other people, um, the, let's see, I guess the top three, let's see, top three reasons for hiring a writer that I've encountered just, just as it has come back to me from my own clients, they would say lack of time, 
lack of enjoyment in writing. It just, it just doesn't fire them up. And the fear of putting themselves out there in writing. So as much as I love writing for other people, and like I said, I, I don't want them to forever be dependent on me or another writer. Um, so I'm always trying to share tips to empower them and just like at least dabble in their own writing. So I guess some of the things that I would share with my clients would be working through what I call comparisonitis or imposter syndrome. You know, I've written on, on this uh, feeling like a fraud, like really feeling like, like a fraud in your business. And that's probably the major fear driver as it relates to writing. And that's um, thinking you're not a good enough writer or what you have to say isn't interesting, or that you're not knowledgeable enough, or that your work will be rejected, or that you know all the topics you've come up with have all been written a hundred times over, so why even bother trying? Um, so for that kind of situation, where that, that's usually the number one reason, is you're just terrified to put yourself out there. You, you know, you're going to be rejected. You feel like a fraud. You've just got to give yourself the permission to write. You are knowledgeable enough. Your backstory, as I called it, is interesting. It's completely interesting. Trust me. And what you have to say, it is important. So again, just be your authentic, genuine self. And if your words don't resonate, they're not jiving with certain people then it, that's, that's a good thing because they're not your people. So don't waste your time or your words uh, trying to reach them. Um, so so when, I'm, when I'm writing like I speak and then when I'm interacting with people in other ways than my writing, you know, they know they've come across the real deal. <laughs> Either you get me and, you, you know, and what I've got to share with you or you just don't. And I'm totally okay with that. So in fact, I, I it's funny, I would prefer if I repelled some people because they <laughs> they wouldn't have been receptive to, to joining my community and what we're all about. Um, so another one, uh, I said that word perfect, guys, I, I really don't, I don't even like to write it down. It's kind of funny. It's a, it's a bit of a pet peeve for me. So accepting uh, imperfection, that's a big one. Because no one piece of content, you even said it yourself when you were trying to get your, you know, fitness blog going, you would, mm -hmm. you just get, you get obsessed with putting out the most perfect piece of content. But it's just never going to be perfect. Just get started, get it finished and get it out there. Uh, I myself, same thing. I, I had a terrible habit in my writing and I called it, I still call it tinkering, tinker, 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 tinker. I would hang on to any given blog post for like days, sometimes weeks. I'd go back, I'd tinker with it back and forth, back and forth. I was never totally satisfied <laughs> hitting the publish button on, you know, in my WordPress editor, when you hit publish and it goes live, it yeah. was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Because it just never felt quite right. And it, I never felt that any one piece of content was worthy of being out there on the interweb. So again, I wasn't squeamish about sharing the way I wrote, but it just, I also at the same time wanted to achieve this perceived level of perfection in any given piece of content. Um, I just got so burnt out by this habit and 
decided it didn't serve me. It didn't certainly didn't serve my audience. And it, it absolutely wasn't going to further my career. So I just I had to let it go. I let go of that intense need for perfection. Uh, in, in many areas of my life, I suppose I'm a bit that way. But I, I found myself more and more that way with my writing. So now blog posts are written, published in a fraction of the time. I just had to let go of that piece. So giving yourself permission, kind of dealing with, um, you know, this imposter syndrome you might have, dealing with that head on, um, accepting imperfection. And then two other ways that um, I find just sort of getting yourself over the hump uh, and getting over the fear is finding routines and essentially rituals that allow you to, like I said, just get started. So for me, and, and this is kind of in, in getting into a writing habit. Um, for me, this is a daily morning ritual that really sets the tone for my content creation time. This is pretty early in the day because that's when I find that, you know, my brain functions at in in writer's mode. You know, you have what you're good at doing in the morning and what you're good at doing in the afternoon or the evening. Mm -hmm. I have to do the bulk of, of my writing in the morning. Otherwise, it's it just doesn't work for me later in the day. So I, I found um, finding a really specific morning ritual to just set me up for to be in a really good uh, mindset. Um, yeah, that was really helpful. And then the other thing is scheduling. Like, I have to schedule in this writing time like it's any other business task. And so I think that's even kind of a point. Writing is a business task. And so that's another way to kind of shed the fear that it's not this ominous, horrible, oh my gosh, I'm going to put myself out there and people are going to laugh at me and I'm going to be uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be taken seriously. They're not going to think I'm a credible um, health expert by the way I write or what I write. Uh, I think scheduling it in and seeing it as another business task is uh, could be helpful in that case. So, yeah. I think that's huge what you just said, scheduling it in. Something mm -hmm. on a different note, something that I recommend uh, to my fitness clients when it comes to getting their own workouts in outside of our sessions is just put it in your calendar because yeah. you put everything else in your calendar and most people these days live by their calendar because that's just how you get by. Otherwise, you don't get anything done. Uh, and if it's written in there, if you've got that one hour or two hours or even you know, 35, 40 minutes planned, for that one purpose and you shut everything else down, um, that's <clears throat> that's a good way to to just get it done, like you said. And maybe to, to contrast your your morning rituals for maybe to appease those who are not morning people, uh, <laughs> I actually like <laughs> to write, I actually like to write uh, mostly the let's say the the backbone of of, of an article usually mm -hmm. comes to me on transit and I write it down on my phone on a note, like a tiny little note. And I'll maybe revisit it uh, over the following two or three days in terms of restructuring, making sure that it makes sense and rereading from the beginning, moving forward every time that I do this helps me just make sure that it flows well. And once I have this backbone, then I sit down and then I spend <clears throat> however much time I need to write down kind of the, 
the bulk of the content, but the structure is is done. That uh, let's say that the transit is my morning ritual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's going to be totally different for everyone. I'm I'm sure when people said, "Oh, you're going doing all that in the morning," because eh? <laughs> that that just might not might not speak to to somebody else. So it's like when somebody says they roll out of bed and do yoga my body is beyond cranky for yoga and I have two little kids. They wouldn't dare let me do yoga <laughs> just rolling out of bed in the morning. So it's, it's what works for you, for your brain, for, yeah, for your schedule and your, you know, your family situation, all those different elements. So. <laughs> Krista, that was absolutely amazing. We touched on a lot of information on both the blogging content writing side and on the copywriting side for the website. Uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I've got two more little questions for you uh, and then we'll uh, end the call. So the first one that I wanted to ask is if you could offer one book to all your clients, what would it be? If I could offer one book to all of my clients, so something that I've read or something that I've written. Ha <laughs> Oh, okay. You threw a curveball here. I like it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. Something. Let, so, okay. So let's go because you are a copywriter. Uh, let's honor that and let's do one book that you've read and then one piece of content or ebook that you've written. Mm, um, something that I've read. Um, you know, it's a funny. Um, Nothing really comes to mind. And you know why? Um, in terms of something that I feel would add value to uh, somebody getting started with writing their own copy. Um, it, it might actually be just just a book that you've really enjoyed. It doesn't necessarily have to be linked to what we talked about so far. Just your favorite book to to recommend or to offer if you, if you have one. Oh, um, yeah, not even specific to to um, to writing or copywriting. You know, funny uh, what got me into being a morning person, and it it was a kind of a game changer for me. And it's called the Perfect Day Formula. I think it's by Craig Ballantyne. Is uh, he's the uh, um, the originator of um, oh turbulence training? Is that right? I I couldn't I. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure, but we'll, you know, what we'll do is we'll link all that in the show notes for the listeners. Yeah, no, that's, that one um, stands out for me because it was really what, you know, I really honestly don't consider myself a much of a morning person, but <laughs> it, it's what turned me around in getting my schedule on track. And yeah, the, the concept that he brings in about having your perfect day laid out, but it all starts at, oh, you're going to not like this, you know, 5am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, that's where I really found my groove is early in the mornings to, to get my creative juices and, you know, kind of my writer's flow going. So yeah, the perfect day formula by Craig Ballantyne. And I, I do believe, but again, don't quote me on it either. I, I believe he is the uh, it's like turbulence training. It's one of those hit protocols, the uh, high intensity training protocols that he was the originator of as well. So, okay, yeah, and something that that I've written. Well, something that I worked on. Now we touched on it t 
today when we were chatting, Sean, was about this branding. And again, it just too much for the the scope of of copywriting. But what I like to look at branding is in three pieces. So it's your it's your verbal branding, it's your visual branding, and then it is your verbal visual. So how those the bridge between the two pieces. And so I did write a little ebook, and it is the guide to elevating your um, branding for your wellness business. So I would be happy to offer that to all of your listeners today. That's amazing. It'll definitely be linked in the show notes, and we'll have to do a follow-up episode to touch <laughs> on, on the branding part, because it seems <laughs> you're at the core of everything that matters when it comes to showing up and being present online, uh, from the writing to the copywriting uh, through the, the, the brand. So that's, that's definitely key parts for any business that wants to be relevant online. Good, good. Yeah, you know, I'd be happy to, to come back. It's been fun. Uh, thanks so much, Krista. So where can, where can people find you online? They can find me at Krista Gonsalves. And my last name, I'm sure you'll, you'll have that down for them because it can be a little bit of a tongue twister. KristaGonsalves.com. Fantastic. Any, uh, any social media platforms you're, you're pushing on those days? Yeah. Um, now, my company name is Making Lemonade. So I do have uh, at Lemonade Health for all of my platforms. And that's how you'll find me if you just search at Lemonade Health on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, as well as Twitter. Thanks so much for being on the show, Krista. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please support us by subscribing and leaving us an awesome review on iTunes. To access the show notes, go to holisticnutritionhub.ca slash blog slash HNHP-003. That's it for today. Until next time. Take care.